Good morning. Welcome. All right. So I'm going to invite you to drop into 30 seconds of silence as the screen behind me invites us as well. And I don't have my chime with me today, so I'm just going to say ding. (laughs) That'll be our chime. All right. So ding. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So let's dive in, in this moment. And so I invite you to just welcome that warmth around your heart and feel your breath and just notice the busy mind and bring your awareness to a remembrance of something of love and a peace and let that love and that peace warm your heart the heart of unconditional love that is diving into the soul And so as we continue to breathe with each step, watch the the rhythm of your breath and allow it to be as automatic and beautiful. It is the only subconscious activity we can control with our conscious mind. And so to to slow the breath down is to slow the heart and all of the physical activities of the body. And so as we step into that space of mindfulness, which is truly a meditation, what I know in this moment the depth of being there's something powerful and beautiful and wonderful there's a love beauty there's a vibration of the most high there's an opportunity a possibility a potentiality like never before that is seeking my awareness and I say yes I dive into that mystery I dive into the unknown and I listen and I trust because that is the faith that I have and I know that what is mine to do what is mine to to be guided to supported in resource in whatever way it is This day, I decide to do that in a deeper way. And so I just give thanks knowing that each and every one of us is guided, that the consciousness upon the words, between the words, and in the gaps of the nothingness is where that still small voice resides. And so I learn this language in a deeper way. I stand in that spaciousness, that graciousness, in love, joy, and opportunity. And I know that the vibration of the Most High is alive and dynamic here and now because it is alive within me. I am the place, this is the place where joy shows up. This is the place and I am the place where possibility is alive. 
For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. All right, so I brought my Moses stick today. We're going to use the Moses stick. I'm going to find a rock and we'll draw some water out later. But, but right now I'm going to invite you to stand up, find somebody that you can interact with. Because this is the day that the law hath made and we rejoice in it. And if you'd be willing to look that person in the eyes, you might even hold their hands and say, you are a genius. Something is percolating within you. And I stand in welcome of that. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for your presence of love. Thank you for the, the power that is available in and through and as you. Way to go, long one. <laughs> Say, way to go, long one. And so it is. All right. So today's discussion is, I am, we are for this month, a place where joy shows up, to activate joy, to be an activator of joy. Because we get to decide. And see, this work can be so challenging at, at the beginning of it. Can it not be? When all of a sudden we're re... And I'm going to talk about those ideas today. I'm going to share this really wonderful story today that I think is such a great example of what we teach and the opportunities that we have. And it's the, the challenges that we go out in life. Has anybody ever had done something in, in life and been disappointed or surprised? Yeah. And that's the story for all of us. And so the story I want to share with you today is a story of, of something that is very relevant and pertinent and I think is such an inspiration because it's exactly what Dr. Ernest Holmes wrote about back in the 1920s and all of the great teachers. Dr. Holmes just, you know, he did his own examination study. He was an avid and, 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 and voracious reader of tradition and he found the commonalities. And so when we talk about we honor all pathways of, we don't, you know, it's not about religion when we talk about we honor all spiritual paths. And the spiritual path can or cannot be aligned with a particular faith tradition. But Dr. Holmes says we need not be superstitious to be spiritually minded. Spiritual mindedness is a persistent and consistent attempt to feel the divine everywhere. A persistent and consistent attempt to feel the divine everywhere. So important. And in all things, and it is the capacity not only to believe in, but also to perceive, to feel, and to react to a unitary wholeness, an essence, an infinite personalness, a beauty, a love, and I also believe a laughter which exists in the universe. The ultimate reality, spirituality, is normal, it is natural, it is spontaneous, it is effervescent, it is never difficult or withholding. So simple but so difficult because we have experiences in our lives and all of a sudden, you know what happens what I've watched with the spiritual practice, why people give up? Because they get, they get their feelings hurt. I get my feelings hurt. Somebody said something to me. I quit. I withhold. Something's wrong here. And when we use getting our feelings hurt as the, 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 the indicator that, that man, that's, it's just not right for me because my feelings got hurt. And, and it's, it's important to honor our feelings getting hurt. And if we're in an environment where it's abuse, of course move yourself away from it. But many times what we're getting triggered by is a past experience. That our, our father said something, our mother said something, and then someone 40 years later says the same thing, and all of a sudden our feelings are hurt again. 
because they pushed the button. They didn't install the button, but they pushed the button. And it's, it's difficult. It's so much easier. It's so much easier when I was a Catholic. <laughs> it was. Just follow the rules for a while. I'd follow the rules from the time I got out of the confessional to the time I got to my car. And then I would start judging and blaming and shaming all the people that were in my life. And I would drive like a maniac. And then I would be right back into the behavior that caused me to have to go to confession that week anyway. But I had about 45 minutes of relief. And then I was right back into that habitual pattern. You know, the one thing, the one great thing about Houston Smith, who is an amazing man, a wonderful writer, he studied all the traditions as well as Christianity. He actually would, when he would study a tradition, he would spend years following the tradition. He studied the Muslim tradition. He would pray five times a day. And he understood it. But he said the thing he loved about Christianity, and our roots are Christianity. People will say, you guys aren't Christian. Well, okay, whatever. Our roots are Christian. And, he said, and the thing about Houston, he said, the, the, the wonderful thing about Christianity is it has the forgiveness component. It has the forgiveness. And so, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do because he understood the projection. He understood all the resolve. And we live in a world of projection. All of us do it. And so to wake up to that, waking up is waking up to ourselves. And so he talked about, he talked about God as the thing itself. We've got a slide up there, the boys that are in joy and they're, they're playing in the water. But it's the thing itself. Holmes called it the thing itself. It's the first chapter in the textbook because what he wanted to do is break us out of this mindset that, of what God is. You know, God is this, you know, is a man on a cloud with a white beard. No, God's a principle. We're immersed in the principle. So I want to share a story with you today. The next slide shows a guy up there on the screen. It's the best one I could pull up at the time. This is Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Joe. He wrote a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. He wrote one about uh, the placebo effect. He's got another book that he wrote. But his story is fascinating. So I want to share his story with you today because I think it's such an example of what we teach. So in 1986, he was in a triathlon. He was 24 years old. He was on a triathlon in Palm Springs, California. And he's riding along. It's the bike, it's the bike uh, piece of the triathlon. It's the last piece, the bike ride. And he said there's two guys on his right, and he's trying to pass them, and there's a cop standing there with his back to traffic, with his hand on his knee, and he's going like this, telling Joe to take the corner. And he's waving Joe around the corner, and Joe's looking at these two bike guys to his right, and he wants to pass them and take the corner. So if Joe takes the corner like the cop directs him, well, <clears throat> the cop wasn't looking at oncoming traffic, and there was an 83-year-old woman driving through the intersection at 55 miles an hour. Hits Joe, drives him off the bike, knocks him to the ground, he lands on his butt, and he turns around and sees the car coming at him because she's 83 years old, and she, you know, when you're 83, you're not as sharp as you are when you're 23. And so Joe grabs onto the bumper, and she drags him another 20 yards until the car finally stops. And so Joe is laying there on the road, and he said he knew because he was a chiropractor at that time and he was also a, a martial arts instructor and he was a yoga teacher. Do you know this story? Great story. Anyway, so he, he's laying there and he knew that this, the injuries were beyond a strain and a sprain. And he could feel the blood pooling in his thoracic cavity, the spinal cord. And he said he, he, went through a, he went to the hospital. I took him to JFK Hospital in Palm Springs. He went through a series of tests. He went through MRIs. He went through uh, x-rays. He went through CAT scans. And after 12 hours of testing, he woke up the next morning. The whole side of his body was stuck to the sheet because there had been this, you know, his entire side was just a big abrasion. So they had to come in with squirt bottles and squirt them to get the sheets off of them. You know how that goes sometimes. And so he's laying there. And they came in and, uh, um, they, and the doctors told him, you have multiple compression factors of your thoracic spine. You have six broken vertebrae. One vertebrae is more than 60% collapsed. The arch that contains the spinal cord is twisted like a pretzel at one point. And so he, he, had pressure, he had pressure on his spinal cord. 
And so he's laying there, and the doctor says, well, he says, uh, Joe, you've got a broken T8, which is thoracic section of the spine, T8, T9, T10, T11, and T12, and L1, the lumbar, they're all broken. And the T8 is the one that's twisted like a a pretzel, 60% collapsed. So the doctor said the typical surgery is called a Harrington rod surgery. And so what we do is we cut off the backs of the vertebrae, and uh, we put in a a 12-inch rod, a stainless steel rod, and then we take a piece of bone from your hip, and we attach it over the top to stabilize it. And he said, really? He said, yeah, we, we need to do this right away. So he said, you know, Joe said, if, I'd, if I was somebody else looking at these x-rays, I'd say, we've got to do this right now. You know, I would say the same thing, let's do it. And he said, no, no, I, I need to think about this. I need a little bit of time. He said, this was me. And he says, I wasn't ready to have this type of aggressive surgery done yet. I had to think about it. So the next day, the chief neurosurgeon comes in. And he says, you don't have much of a choice. We've got to do this. He said, you know, you've just got to get this done. He said, if you don't have the surgery right now, you probably won't walk again. And he asked, does anybody not have this surgery to this guy? And he says, well, I've been doing this 23 years, and I've never seen anybody not have, with this type of injury, not have the surgery. And so he thought about it some more, and he decided he'd go home. So he was in Palm Springs at JFK Hospital. They took him back by ambulance to Scripps Hospital in San Diego, where he lived. And when he got there, he said he, the ambulance returned, and he came into the, to the uh, uh, doctor came in his room, chief resident surgeon came in, and he locked eyes up with him. And he said, this guy would, your mother would fall in love with this guy. Salt and pepper hair, he's got the stethoscope around, just, just really put together. The quintessential doctor looked, right? And he, had, uh, he says, he walked in, locked eyes with me. He says, if, if you were my son, we would, he said, we got to get you into surgery now. And he said, he was so credible. He was so confident. He said, I just wanted to believe this guy. This is amazing. But he said, whoa, 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 slow down. I'm not ready to make this decision yet. And the doctor says, if you don't make this decision in two days, your bones are going to start to naturally heal to the, to the best of their ability. So you have loose fragments and you have strands of calcium that are going to lock, interlock. Your bones are going to start mending. And if you don't decide to have the surgery after that point, we're going to have to not only open up your back, we're going to have to go through the front. So we, it's a radical surgery. And your chances of survival decrease dramatically. And you know, Joe said at that point in time, he, he thought, one of the ways we suffer in, in life is through indecision, not making a decision. Have you ever been in that situation where you, you just can't make a decision? And then you make a decision, you go, ah. You know, going forward may be difficult, but at least you make the decision. There's relief in that, but the indecision is so, so, can be so difficult. He said he, he thinks that the indecision has a lot to do with human suffering. And what we talked about last week was intention. And intention is good, but intention is not decision. Intention is not decision because intention is just an idea. It's a, it's a thing we create. It's important. But once you make the decision, once you make the decision, it requires some action. And so Joe said he sat there for a while, laid there, and he's laying down on his face. And he, he was torn between what the doctors were telling him and what his heart was telling him. He couldn't make the decision. He said he would have friends come in. He, the, the room would fill with his friends in San Diego. They'd come in and they'd surround the bed. And he said, you know you're in trouble when your friend says to you, they walk over and they, they pat you on the shoulder and say, Joe, we know that you will make the right decision. And they leave the room. So Joe's laying there. And then another doctor, he said, I just needed a little more confirmation. Another doctor comes in. He said, this guy was like this giant guy. Comes walking in and he says, you know, I'm looking at your x-rays here. 
And he says, um, I'm looking at your x-rays here. And he said, um, you know, we don't have to put a 12-inch rod in. I said, no. He says, you know what? We can put in an 8-inch rod. And then over a period of time after that, heels will go back in with a 6-inch rod. And he said, well, doc, won't that restrict some of the, the flexibility in my thoracic area? And, he, and the doctor says, you don't, have any, you don't have any flexibility or motion in your thoracic area? He says, well, maybe you don't, but I do, you know, because he knew from his yoga and he knew from his martial arts training and he knew from his chiropractic work. So Joe listened to this guy and he says something clicked as he listened to this guy because he realized, you know what, I don't want to spend the rest of my life on painkillers, on opiates. And he knew that was what was in store for him. And he said, I just can't do it. So he checked out of the hospital. He had him take him home to a friend's house. And he laid there. And he was laying in the bed, but he was not going to have this surgery. Because his heart told him not to do it. But he said there were two things. He made a deal with himself that would, he would do two things. And the first thing he said is, he believed in a simple concept. That the power that made his body was the power that could heal his body. That's tremendous faith. That is a decision. The power that made this body can heal this body. And it doesn't happen any other way. There is an intelligence in every one of us, in each and every one of us. We can call it a spiritual intelligence. We can call it chi. We can call it universal mind, as Dr. Holmes would call it. You can call it innate intelligence. Intelligence that gives us life. It does. Intelligence that gives us life. Right now, the same intelligence that was operating within Dr. Joe Dispenza is operating for us. Just waiting. And so, you know, the body's incredible. Like Joe says, there's two gallons of blood that pump through our hearts every minute. There's a hundred gallons that go through every hour, a hundred times a day. It's amazing. That's intelligence. We have 60,000 miles of vascular system within our body, 3% of our body weight. It's amazing, the intelligence that keeps us alive. And he made a deal. He said, said, you know, if this intelligence is real, he was going to develop a relationship with it at a deeper level. He was going to nurture it. He was going to begin to interact with it in a meaningful way. You know, when, when Dr. Holmes developed affirmative prayer, and he didn't develop affirmative prayer, but it is the cornerstone of how we pray. The first thing we do is recognize this intelligence and claim it as our own. It's very mystical. It's very mystical. There's one life. We just saw the, the Star Wars movie the other day. You know, and there's the, there's the Jedi Knight walking around, and you know, the Force is with me. Uh, there's one Force, or the Force is present, and the Force is with me. I mean, he's walking around doing the first two steps of affirmative prayer. I said, hallelujah. I stood up in the middle of the movie and cheered it, but people didn't know what I was cheering. But there it is. It's part of the culture. You know, it's part of the culture and it's true. There's a force for good in the universe and that life is my life. We can recognize it, but until we make the decision that that life is my life, it just stays out. It's, it's, there's a separation. So we heal the separation by stepping into the truth of our being. So Joe Dispenza said, I'm going to do this. He says, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to give it a plan. I'm going to tell this infinite intelligence what to do because it's awaiting the, the, the clarity and the focus and the engagement. Clarity, focus, engagement. And so what Joe did is he said he began to give it a plan, a design of exactly what he wanted. And if it was conscious and aware, an awareness that is paying attention to me, I'm going to be completely present with it. That's why meditation is so important. It's not about being a great meditator. You know, we, had, we did a thing, the soul thing last week here. We had 55 people show up to dive into the soul. 
And you know what? That's an indication to me. We're ready for this. We're ready for the dive, the deeper dive. Get ready, my soul. Here I come. Because that's where the juice is. That's where the traction is. Otherwise, you go out there and you go back into your habitual patterns of thinking and feeling, and you have the same experience over and over again. And of course, you're frustrated because you're not using that possibility and the potentiality that lives within you. There's one life, God's life. That life is my life now. I am one with the force. The force is with me. I am one with the force. The force is with me. Whatever works for you, whatever opens your heart to that experience. And, what, and, and the reason that we don't is Joe says, and, and, and next week he's going to talk about the four. I'm going to talk about Joe. I got, I, got, I got enough for the next year with Joe. But I'm going to tell you, I want to dive down on this because this is so important for what's going on. There's something that wants to be given birth within this community. I'm aware of that. I'm very aware of that because it comes to me in dreams. It comes to me in my prayers. It comes to me in the strangest moments. There's something that is seeking expression here. And I want to midwife that. You know, I, my hope was this last year that I could get out in this community, not just Edmonton, but speak to different groups. I set a goal. I couldn't get there because there were so many distractions this year. I have gifts and talents that I know that have been given to me that want to move through me. But there have been so many distractions this year that I was not able to activate that because the distractions were overwhelming. And I'm not going to do that again. I'm done with that. I can't. I cannot do that. I will not do that. Thank you. Thank you. I just won't. I just won't. I mean, I, I just won't. It's crazy. People, it's just amazing. And so what I know is that I'm attracting the right and perfect people that share the possibility, the possibility of opportunity here. We have an amazing teaching here. I mean, if we can get this down, if one of us can get this down, all of us, it, it benefits all of us. And so I want to keep talking about it and nurturing and not because we're doing anything wrong. We're doing the best we can because we have 95% of what we are as people. By the time we're 35, is already established. We have 5% left to work with us. So we come in, we do an affirmative prayer, we do a class, and then all of a sudden those, those old feelings of the, that we got that, of self-doubt, of shame and blame and guilt, all of a sudden they get pushed. We go right back into the feeling tone of what it was. We feed it and feed it and feed it and we create the same experience. And we walk out here and we go, this doesn't work. So anyway, so Joe decided he's going to develop this relationship with this infinite presence. He said, in crisis, we typically spend the majority of our time focusing on what we don't want instead of what we do want. And he realized that. And he was frustrated. He was impatient. He was angry. He was resentful. And he was, so what he decided to do was he was going to rebuild his spine with a new idea. He was going to step into the, the possibility. And he started to work with his consciousness and his awareness to see each vertebrae and he said it was such a struggle because he'd get through one vertebrae he'd wake up in the morning and he said he'd start and he'd see the the first vertebrae that he knew what it was what it looked like when it was healthy and he would visualize that and he would nurture that and he said by the time he got to the second vertebrae when he was starting he'd go you know maybe I should sell my house oh and he'd get so frustrated because that's not what he wanted to do he wanted to build the vertebrae and so it took him he said for six weeks it was torture Maybe I should sell my house. Maybe I should sell my practice. What am I going to do? And he kept having a picture, a picture of him being an invalid the rest of his life kept bubbling up. So he would start over again. And then once again, he would fall into the worst case scenario for himself. And he, moved, he kept moving through this it had, and he knew he had to become conscious of his unconscious thoughts. We have to become conscious of our unconscious thoughts. That's the work to do. Because once we start unraveling that, we start creating a space for, for the new possibility. 
It's not about praying over all this dysfunctional, emotional baggage and putting a, a prayer on top of it. It's about having the ability and the capacity to bring it into the light. Carl Jung said that. It's about bringing light to the darkness of our unawareness. And so he went through six weeks of hell, as he said. And he said it took him hours and hours and hours to work through rebuilding his spine as he laid there face down, not moving. Hours and hours. The second decision he made, he would not let one thought slip by his awareness that he didn't want to experience. Not one thought slipped by his awareness that he didn't want to have an experience of. So number one, next slide, man casting a net. He became completely present with it to the best of his ability every day. Number one priority, completely present with it. Number two, nothing slipping by me. Right here, we're going to practice this today. Who does that remind you of? I got a slide coming up to remind you. Nothing you shall not pass right here. And I'm going to invite anybody that wants to come up. There we go. Come up and we'll hold these and say, you shall not pass and declare that to this community. You You have my invitation today. And we'll take a picture of you and send it to you too. But this is what it takes. You shall not pass. Oh, there I go, spinning out in that emotion that's, that's, that breaks my heart. Not anymore. Change, change, change. No, I don't go there. I don't go there. And I practice this every day, every time it's appropriate, until all of a sudden it opens up and there's a new possibility. There's a genius within you. There's a successful, extraordinary person within you. Give it birth. You can't give it birth when everything you keep welcoming, all this dysfunctional, emotional baggage that has nothing to do with today. That stuff came to empower you to wisdom, to nurture you to wisdom. And so what he said, he declared that if this philosophy was true, then he should initiate it and have have an experience with it. So every morning, he would wake up and he would recreate his spine. And he said initially it took him two and a half to three hours to get through it because he kept forgetting, kept going back into the old patterns. And he said around six weeks, something amazing happened. He got through the entire thing without losing his focus, without losing his attention. He was present with the whole thing. He could get through all of the spine pieces. And all of a sudden, it went from three hours to an hour and 15 minutes. And it was quicker. And he said, and things started to happen within him. All of a sudden, they told him he was never going to walk again. Even at this point, he's doing this work. And he's coming alive, and he can feel it. And as he's doing it, and getting clear, the pain is diminishing. The pain is starting to go away. So he started to duplicate. He realized, you know, when I think about this, the pain goes down. And so he started going there. And then they came in after 10 weeks. They said, Joe, we're going to put you in a body cast because we're concerned that the, the, the uh, diminishment of your spinal cord, that if, when you do stand up, it, it will, we're worried it will um, crack or break. So we're going to put you, we're going to fit you for a body cast. And then you'll wear this particular harness for the rest of your life so that you don't run the risk of, of paralysis or death because of the weight of your body on this, this uh, compromised spine. He said around six weeks, something amazing happened. He got through the entire thing without losing his focus, losing his attention. He was present with the whole thing. He said it was like hitting the sweet spot of a golf golf ball or or a tennis ball. It was like cooking a great meal. It had that feeling to him. But it took him six weeks. And he said he knew he was on to something. And his times kept getting shorter and shorter. He was practicing increased awareness and wiring perfect health into his brain. And then he started giving it more. He started thinking about a beautiful sunset. And he started thinking about sitting up and having lunch with his friends. 
or about taking a shower on his own, just simple things. And he would create that, he'd create that feeling tone. He began to select different potentials in the quantum field, and he played in it. He said, what I was doing was marrying a clear intention with an elevated emotion. A clear intention with an elevated emotion. That feeling tone of what it would feel like to have this experience. Isn't it simple? But isn't it interesting how unless we have, you know, we have trauma, we have something serious that happens, it's so easy for us to forget these things. Go right on. That's why we offer classes. Because we have to retrain ourselves. And there's an acceleration of awareness that happens when you take a class. We all need this. We need the support of one another and the support of this. So around 10 weeks when they wanted to cast him, about 10 and a half weeks, and he said, that day I knew I was going to stand up. I knew I was going to stand up, and he stood up. Within 11 to 12 weeks, he was back in his office working with clients. In three months from what they said, he would never walk again, and he would have to have rods put in his spine, and he would have to wear a body cast. He's back working. 11 11 to 12 weeks. But what he did, the formula he followed to, to marry himself with this deep, powerful, infinite intelligence that we're immersed in at a deeper level, get ready, my soul. And then to give it something to work with consistently. And when you get discouraged, to go back to it and say, ah, that's not it. This is it. This is what I made a de- devotion to. This is what's uh, important to me. And he said to this, and this is why we know about him today after this. He said, I made a vow. He said, if I ever walk again, I will spend the rest of my life studying these principles and teaching these principles. So if you've seen What the Bleep Do We Know, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he said his friends told him, now you're going to be a rock star. He said, I don't want to be a rock star. Well, you're going to be a rock star. I don't want to be a rock star. But this trauma brought him to this awareness. This is exactly what Dr. Dr. Ernest Holmes called. It's the, it's the wake-up call. It's the wake-up call. So our practice... Along with the Gandalf practice, there's a beautiful meditation. It's on the last slide that we shared with the group last week, but I would highly recommend you work with this meditation if you're interested in this. It's a 45-minute meditation that takes you through the stages of, it's called, you are the placebo binaural beat subconscious reprogramming. There's a toning in it that helps open up the brain's capacity to dive into the subconscious areas. We're going to do it again next month. We're going to do another version of it next month. But it's so powerful. Laura and I have been doing this pretty much every morning and every night. Because you know what? Something wants to happen. And it's not another good idea from my my analytical mind. It's something that my soul is calling me to. And so I would recommend it. So what it does is it takes you through and it, it, it distracts you a bit from your analytical mind. And then it opens you up to what you want to release. And what do you want to give birth to? And so you still work with it. Even if you don't know, listen to the meditation. Or if you don't, but man, you've got to do something to stop it. So who wants to come up and say, you shall not pass? Come on. I knew you would. Yeah, come on. All right, let's get a picture of this. Here comes Noreen. Here you go. Here's your Gandalf stacks. You shall not pass. So think about what it is that you are ready not to have pass anymore. Oh, yeah. You ready? Do okay. Have to say it out loud? You have to say it out loud. Yes, you do. Oh, crikey. You shall not pass. You don't have to say what you're trying to release. You know what it is. Just you shall not pass. (laughs) You shall not pass. There we go. There we go. Who's next? Who's next? Come on, Barb. Robin, come on up to it. You're closer. You're next. All right. Barb McKay's coming up. Is that the declaration? Here you go. Yay. Ready? Get clear. You shall not pass. There we go. 
Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Barbie Lee. Is it? Yeah. It's exciting, isn't it? Is. See, that's the feeling tone, elevated feeling tone. You're finally saying no to whatever it is. Oh, and sticks and pounding. Yeah, sticks and pounding. There we go. I was going to get a wizard hat, but I couldn't find one. So. Okay. You shall not pass. There we go. There we go. All right. So here's the deal with that. If you've seen it, you've experienced it because we're all one. You don't need all to come up here one by one. Next week, we're going to be burning our, our uh, flash paper about what we're going to release. So tell all your friends. I know people ask me, do I have to come every, every Sunday? Yeah. Yes, you do have to come every Sunday. But they still don't come every Sunday. So let them know we're doing that next week. But whatever it may be, to stand guard. That's part of it. Next week, I'm going to talk about the meditation practice more. I'm going to talk about the four things that Joe identified. Because he went out after this. He went to 17 countries, and he studied. And he found people that had extraordinary healings. And there are four common characteristics they all share. And it's so important for us to know this because this is us, gang. This is possible for us. It's, if you are living in lack and limitation, it's enough. She'll not pass. You've learned enough from that now. Bless it. Bless it. It's so important to bring you to this point. But to be able to make a decision because it's making a decision and following through. And if you forget, you go right back to it. So what if it takes you the rest of your life? You're going to live the rest of your life anyway, aren't you? It's so worth doing. I'm telling you, it is. You deserve it. We deserve you living in the grace and the beauty and possibility of self-love and appreciation, not in arrogance or the egoic nature, but just the, the blessing of the richness of who you are. As Dr. Holmes said, it's, it's such a beautiful experience. And when we move into that third kingdom of consciousness, of co-creation, where we know that that one life is our life, Things can be so beautiful and powerful and wonderful. You are not here to sit on the, the bench. Get into the game. Share your love. Share your light. Share your gifts. Because we, we all lose if you don't do that. I get it that your feelings got hurt. You've been disappointed. But don't let that stop you. Don't let that diminish you. Especially in a world where we're adapting to a new normal now. Things are changing. But things always change. Life has always changed. Cultures have always changed. Economies have always changed. We've had, we've had interesting people in political positions before. We got them again. But don't let that diminish you, who you are. Don't let that take away something of what's possible for you. This is our opportunity. Now is the time, and we are the ones. And so it is.